everybody, this is Rare On Air, and if you were eavesdropping in our office, this is what you'd hear. Hello everyone, I'm Jack Hunter, editor here at Rare Politics, with my good friend and colleague, Matt Purple, deputy editor. Uh, Matt, to say 2016 was unique would be an understatement, talking about the election, and to say that the incoming president, Donald Trump, is unique would also be an understatement. We're seeing something interesting in our politics right now, and Trump has certainly been the catalyst, in which venerable, or at least reputable, news sources that you could count on, even if you knew there was some bias in one direction or the other, left or right, Democrat or Republican, you could at least count on to get the basic facts right. You could trust them with some level, I guess. And that's not true anymore. I feel like the world's been turned on its head. And what I'm talking about specifically, you know, there had been rumors for a while about Donald Trump and some of the, what what phrase should I use? The things that he supposedly did in Russia with women and... Yeah, well... <laughs> We, we've never used the phrase golden shower in the history right. of the Rare podcast before. Um, I'm kind of surprised about that. I'm not sure how we got right. by this long without talking about that, but um, this is going to be the but first. But if this is something... And I intend to use that phrase as much as possible from here on forward. <laughs> you wrote about this recently, Rare. This is something that Newsfeed just sort of dumped, and they even said in their dump, basically, we can't verify any of this. But by the way, here it is. You should read it. And Donald Trump immediately said, this is fake news, this is BS. We've had apologies from the intelligence community to Donald Trump now. Well, uh, sort of, yeah. Sort of, but it, the main point being, you get the sense that an outlet like BuzzFeed did something that I think was irresponsible. People could argue the other way. But they also have an ax to grind with Donald Trump at the same time. And the combination of those things has created a national press... And not everybody, but a lot of them. And you saw it in the scene with the press conference with Donald Trump and him shouting and people shouting back. That the public doesn't trust them, the incoming president doesn't trust them, and not often is that unjustified. Am I wrong to say that? It's, yeah. it's a mess. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you slightly on part of that because essentially what happened yesterday was CNN came out, or two days ago, CNN came out with a report saying that... Uh, the, the Russians had obtained enough information in order, negative information, in order to blackmail Donald Trump. And as a result, he had been briefed about that by intelligence operatives uh, here in Washington. That was the claim made by CNN. It cited all manner of, you know, top political officials, top intelligence officials, top defense officials, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> but it held back. It didn't really offer much more than that. Um, then BuzzFeed figured, okay, this is out now. There's a document, a dossier uh, assembled on Donald Trump that's been circulating for many you know, months here in Washington among journalists, political staffers, and so forth that alleges that Russia does, can blackmail Trump. It's a result of um, specifically his personal conduct when he was over there and an incident where he was staying at the Ritz-Carlton in Moscow, which is bugged and video cameraed all over the place by, uh, by Russian intelligence services, and he brought in a retinue of prostitutes to urinate on the bed because he heard that Barack Obama and Michelle Obama had stayed there and he hated them that much. <laughs> Which, if you hate the Obamas, can't you just go to a hotel in here or New York? I mean, you don't have to go that far to right. go to a hotel where the Obamas stayed. Why would you hire all these Rus Russian prostitutes? Uh, it, it really does uh, beggar the imagination, but there it is. That was the accusation. 
This dossier was published by BuzzFeed amidst a raft of disclaimers. We can't verify any of this. We're very skeptical for this reason. There were spelling errors. There were geographical errors within the dossier itself. But they said, this is what CNN is talking about. Here it is. Right. Um, everybody was skeptical of that dossier. No journalist had published it in the past for that reason. And by the end of the day, everybody was melting down for reasons I can't understand at BuzzFeed. Because BuzzFeed had the audacity to push that document out there. And CNN was, you know, puffing up its chest and saying, we're real journalists, so we only reported what we could verify. Well, no, you reported a bunch of insinuations from a bunch of anonymous sources who told you essentially what the dossier concluded without actually giving people the evidence to disprove that. Had CNN just released their report, we would all be walking around right now thinking that Donald Trump was being blackmailed by the Russians with no means and no material in order to disprove it. I think BuzzFeed did us a public service by pushing that out, and I think that it shows just how weak this entire blackmailing notion is against Donald Trump that they're basing it on that thing. Right. So you're, you're, you're saying that basically the relationship between the press and Donald Trump and what's acceptable and not acceptable to say that BuzzFeed sort of taught everyone a lesson, in a sense. Sort of. And not, not intentionally, but they did. <laughs> and, and you know, I'm sure you saw the press conference yesterday where Trump came out. He called BuzzFeed, I think, a steaming pile of garbage. And he called CNN. Uh, CNN's Jim Acosta was trying to get in a question. And he said, no, you're a terrible news organization. And then eventually he called them fake news. Right. Um, which, by the way, I'm no Donald Trump fan. I was very firmly never Trump during the campaign. Watching that, that segment is almost mesmerizing. <laughs> it's so much fun to watch. I think I, I'll confess I watched like 10, 10 times yesterday. <laughs> it's just so, the guy is a master presenter, whatever you think of right. him. Even if he's, and in this case, I, I think he had a reason to be upset. I, CNN should not have put those accusations forward if it was just, <clears throat> oh, by the way, he was briefed on this, but we can't verify any of what it is without releasing the source information. And on top of all that, NBC News later came out and said, actually, Donald Trump wasn't briefed on this at all. Um, so, you know, th- there's still a bit of, of confusion there. It was, the entire thing was a mess. I, I don't think it should have been done. And I think it really goes to another problem that we can talk about, and that is the use of anonymous sources, especially from inside intelligence agencies, uh, to report news, especially following this most immediate presidential campaign. Uh, absolutely. And I must say, Matt, uh, watching this, and I did not support Trump, I was very outspoken against Trump, my sympathy was not with the press in this matter, it was with Donald Trump. Um, I, I, and you even heard that during the press conference when he basically, I think this was on his taxes, saying, well, I don't care about that, nobody cares about that except you guys, and you heard the smattering of applause and whatnot. I think there's a lot of people out there who are like the hell with the press. I mean, this, this dossier in release, this is something that if it happened to President Obama, you would expect to come from like Infowars or something. Yeah. That, I'm serious, like that, that kind of information. It's a, the equivalent of Pizzagate is the way it sounds. Right, that sort of thing, and rightfully so. Um, and people forget that, and, you know, different partisan leanings. We also forget that a lot of the things, especially those on the left, they see Donald Trump, how he behaved at that press conference, say, oh, this is absolutely horrible. I don't disagree with him that it was impolite, that it was certainly something different than what we've seen. But at the same time, people forget that Barack Obama at one point declared that Fox News was not real news. They were not a legitimate news service and wouldn't let them fly on Air Force One or show up at, you know, different press gatherings and whatnot. That's something they did, and a lot of people on the left were like, well, we agree. Fox is not legitimate news, and Barack Obama's absolutely right to do that. Now, if if Donald Trump says the Washington Post is not legit news, or I'm only going to let Breitbart, I mean, people would go nuts, and, and rightfully so, but I think it's quickly we forget 
how much Barack Obama did some of the similar things in maybe a more genteel way. Right. Well, Jennifer Rubin's column at the Washington Post is not real news, so we can at least put that. On <laughs> right. The that's that's settled. We know that. That we've got right. But um, yeah, I, I think this is what I wrote about this morning. The American people, the public generally, has such a, a dim view of the media. They don't really view us as being on their side anymore. They don't see us as being agents of the people who are trying to suss out the truth for them and trying to cover government. They view us as being courtiers, as being palace guards, part of the, you know, the, the clique here in Washington, which is slightly ironic because certainly in the days of, say, the Kennedy administration, they were much more that than they are today. Sure. Uh, but, but you also kind of understand it. They, they, uh, Washington journalists are unelected. They tend to live in D.C. They, or New York. They don't you know, venture out very often. They're doing a hell of a lot more reporting from that tiny, cramped, claustrophobic press room in the White House than they are from you know, West Virginia, where Trump voters are. <laughs> Uh, you understand that mentality a little bit, but ultimately it, it can be very destructive because it leads Donald Trump to decide what's news and what isn't. You know, it, it leads people to trust more in their government than they do in their press. And that's a real problem for a democracy, given the role of the press in trying to check the government. Um, I mean, I don't have anywhere near the uh, the ego and the hallowed sense of the great journalists like so many in this industry do. But I, I consider a, yeah, a functional press to be a vital part of a republic such as ours. And we've really hit a dangerous spot where um, Donald Trump says that CNN is fake news and people just kind of shrug and go, well, yeah, of course, we've known that for a long time. That's not what CNN is supposed to do. Right. So this is going to be a very tough challenge for the press, I think, coming up, because not only do the people not trust them, uh, not only... But, but Donald Trump doesn't trust them, and in the age of Twitter, he can go around them. He can circumvent them. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. You know, people used to say about Ronald Reagan that one of his talents is that he could talk over sort of the heads of the press and directly to the American people, and they appreciated that. Yeah. I'm not saying that Donald Trump has the same, uh, conducts himself like Ronald Reagan did, but it is the same dynamic that he's speaking directly to them, and Ronald Reagan didn't have Twitter. There was no social media in the 1980s. It is going to be very interesting. Also, just along partisan lines, you know, you know, those of us who are on the right, conservatives, some libertarians, have always noticed that there's a liberal tilt to, to you know, the New York Times or the Washington Post. And uh, there are a lot of people in the middle, and certainly people on the left who are like, no, this is objective news. This is real news, this is legitimate, and it is, absolutely. But I think maybe with Donald Trump being in the White House and our politics sort of shifting to the right in so many ways, will those biases be seen or at least accepted, is probably the better way to put it, more than they ever have? That the average person out there who's apolitical or even on the left is like, maybe this has gone too far. I think we've seen a little bit of that already, even before Trump you know, is sworn in, but uh, will that continue? Um, I, I think so. I, I think this is going to radicalize the press like never before. You know, we've already heard that the Washington Post is hiring journalists, the New York Times is hiring journalists. They view the Trump administration as a buffet, and their 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 duty is to uh, to dine from it. And they're not wrong about that. But um, I think Twitter has done an enormous amount of damage to the press because journalists behave differently on Twitter than they would in their bylines, in their written copy. You know, you can be biased towards the left in a news article, but you have to tease it in. You have to, it has to be very subtle in there. A lot of the, even the supposedly mainstream journalists, the objective journalists, the ones who are still holding out some pretense of neutrality, you go on Twitter and it's anything but. 
It really is. Guys at the New York Times sending out very snide tweets about Donald Trump where you can just feel the, the contempt radiating from them. And I think, you know, if you're on Twitter, uh, journalists, um, they all hang out together. They all defend each other, you know, come to each other's defense. Um, they all uh, kind of, I think, look down their noses to a certain extent at those who criticize them. And they're all obsessed with their own little self-reinforcing world here in Washington and on the Acela Corridor rather than venturing out into to West Virginia, like we've talked about so many times, which is what they need to do. I, I think it's led to a sense that journalists are the other, that they are a, a group that is distinct. A privileged from class. Most, a privileged class that is distinct and that is not doing their jobs of, of covering the government. When I was on the metro, I live in Alexandria, Virginia, and I come to work every day, the Washington, D.C., to this bubble that Matt and I are talking about. <laughs> I was on the metro this morning going through Twitter, as I often do, and I saw a mainstream journalist working at a mainstream outlet. This goes in line with what you were saying, Matt. I'm not going to mention the name or the outlet. This was this morning. This was this, this morning. Was just this morning. Okay. And they tweeted something to the effect: If Barack Obama murdered Trump and Pence, could he pardon himself? Asking for the sake of humanity. Mm-hmm. That wasn't some crazy person with three followers and you know a Illuminati icon. That was a mainstream reporter. And I was sort of you're, well. You're too nice to name names. It was a, a jerk British reporter for GQ. Okay. Well, um, I don't know his actual name, but that's who it was. Right. And, and the guy's a jerk, and he ought to be called out. But for you, that kind no, of thing. nobody who works in journal, no one who works in journalism or media who pretends to be objective or advertises themselves as being objective should be tweeting out anything like that. If you're an absolute insane person just released from prison yesterday, you shouldn't be tweeting out something like that, much less somebody who's supposed to be giving us the news. Am I wrong to say that? I think he'll get a knock on his door from the Secret Service pretty soon. I I think that's an extreme example. I think when it manifests itself, it's usually a little bit more subtle. Um, But yeah, I mean, especially in this age where journalists are increasingly encouraged to fly your colors a little bit. You know, you can't, in this flattened democratic media, it's very, with Twitter and whatnot, it's very difficult to be objective. So, you know, you you can give a little flavor. You're trying to brand yourself. You know, let people know where you're coming from a little bit. Uh, Some people just take that to the the nth extreme, and and you have to be very careful. And I just, I, I don't understand, maybe it's because I'm on the right. So I might have some mild sympathies for Donald Trump, although my, anybody who's read my work knows my sympathies right. for Donald Trump are pretty, pretty damn thin. <laughs> um, why would, rather than just rage against this phenomenon, why wouldn't you want to explore it? Why wouldn't you want to talk to people? Why wouldn't you want to try to cover it the way that you're supposed to? Covering it means explaining it. And you can't explain it if you're not willing to approach it with an open mind. I, I don't understand that. And that's emblematic of, you know, the, the GQ journalists we were just talking about. Journalists are supposed to say this happened, this person said this, this other person responded in this way, not to interject themselves into it and become the news and pick sides. That's what you're, is supposed to happen. But certainly on Twitter, we're seeing, you know, that line being crossed time and time again. You know, when it comes to Trump and partisanship, Glenn Greenwald had a great piece at The Intercept this week talking about the deep state. He was talking about the CIA and sort of reporters and journalists accepting what they say at face value, whether it's this dossier that now people are apologizing for or other things. Basically, D.C. insiders, including the intelligence community and the broader political class sort of circling the wagon 
dragons and saying things that are untrue or outright lies that are in opposition to the incoming administration. This is something very unique that we see. Glenn Greenwald makes the point that yes, there are legitimate fears about Donald Trump. Matt, you and I have talked about these on the civil liberties front, foreign policy, all sorts of different things. What's going to happen with the drug wars? Jeff Sessions is going to go crazy and make states, you know, get rid of their legal marijuana. There's many issues we could talk about legitimately, but the pre the press, the intelligence community, including the CIA, sort of ginning up all these different things, and this, this dossier is a good example of that. When you have to criticize the Trump administration on substantive things in the future, what credibility do you have? How are we going to be able to discuss these issues if you're doing all the stupid stuff right now before the man's even in office? And I think Glenn Greenwald's absolutely right. And Greenwald, you have to appreciate because he's one of the few who in these fraught times is willing to stand by his principles and be skeptical of powerful institutions, regardless of whether or not they're currently working towards your aims. Right. I, I really appreciate him for that. And if you go on Twitter, he's getting crucified now by the left who are calling him a Trump pawn because he has the nerve to, uh, to be skeptical and sometimes a little bit sardonic towards the CIA and the FBI and so forth. Um, because right now they love the CIA's conclusions about Donald Trump. Greenwald says, I can't stand Donald Trump. I think he's going to be a terrible president, but it is my obligation as a journalist to maintain this skepticism. And so that's what he does. And I just, you know, th this is another issue that we're going to see happen is that, you know, journalists are not supposed to take the CIA at face value. And for a good number of decades, they didn't. They questioned what came out of it. Certainly during the, the 70s and maybe a little bit into the 80s, they did too. Um, now you're, you're getting outlets like CNN, which are confirming things with top intelligence officials and putting out, you know, lewd insinuations without ever really trying to back them up. And, you know, if you're on the left, and most reporters are, if you're on the left, during the 1960s and 70s, um, COINTELPRO within the intelligence services, the FBI really, right. but they went after uh, left-wing radicals, uh, harassed them, intimidated them, broke the, the law, violated right. the Constitution. Um, throughout the Cold War, the CIA fomented revolutions and all kinds of, and, and lied repeatedly the, to the public and, and meddled in foreign elections and so forth in ways that you probably find heinous. Um, during the administration of George W. Bush, they said that the case for Saddam Hussein having WNDs was a slam dunk. Clearly was not. It helped get us immersed in a war that we're still trying to extricate ourselves from. Yet, all of a sudden, you love the CIA. All of a sudden, you don't see why anybody should be skeptical of the CIA. And in the case of certain Twitter users, you're accusing anybody who is skeptical of the CIA, like Greenwald, of treason. You're equating patriotism with trusting the intelligence agencies. This is remarkable. And it really just goes to show you how quickly things can flip in politics when, you know, it's a lot easier to hate or love a personality than it is a principle. And that's, and that's an overarching point that Glenn Greenwald makes. Here's a left that knows the CIA, the intelligence community, the Bush administration across the board were wrong about WMDs. And now when those, some of the same people are saying, well, this is what you have to believe about Trump or Russian meddling in the election and to not take them at face value means you're a traitor, which is what they accuse Greenwald of and others. It's, it's, it's something else. It's hypocrisy piled upon uh, on top of hypocrisy and it's enough to make your mind uh, go crazy. But appreciate y'all being with us today. We will continue to go crazy in our private capacities and we'll talk to you again next time. Thanks guys.